I am Brad Franklin, publisher of Capscore.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 18th. We are like steps away from actual football. Um, Virginia will open uh, fall camp on August the 3rd. Not sure yet if uh, if they're going to let me watch it, um, though uh, I, sh- I certainly hope they will. Um, it is the start of um, the, the second uh, hoops evaluation period of the month, and of course I'm going to talk to you about football again. Um, we had Ahmad Hawkins on last week. I thought he did a great job of kind of giving us a really nice sort of view of UVA from the sort of from the inside or from the uh, alum perspective. I thought we'd switch gears a little bit this week and go with somebody who clearly hates UVA. Um, if you're if you're if you're if you're a UVA fan in the Richmond area who has read the Times Dispatch with any regularity, I'm sure at some point you have hated Mike Barber. Uh, but he's a good buddy of mine, and, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm good, and I can't decide. If more UVA fans think I hate their school, or more Tech fans think I hate their school, I'd, I'd say this off season, uh, it seems like I'm, I've got more Tech fans who think I'm after them with the off season they've had. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But either way, happy to talk about UVA. <laughs> well, we're actually. I want to ask you a question in a little bit about uh, about Tech too. But obviously, it's been a, a tumultuous off season for Tech, and interesting and sometimes uh, off season for UVA, given some of Broncos' comments. We'll get into that in a second. Give the give the people your Twitter handle, Mike. Yeah, it's RTD underscore Mike Barber. You were trying to make that really easy for folks, weren't you? Yeah, as easy as possible. <laughs> so you should have gone the route I did. Cavs underscore corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So you're down in Charlotte. Actually, you're on the way from Charlotte back to the beach. Um, how, how dare the ACC schedule kick off right in the middle of your vacation? I swear. Um, Unbelievable. And, and, and the ride, let me tell you, the ride last night from the Outer Banks to Charlotte was like nothing I've ever seen. There were black bears, there were deer, there were some sort of insects that covered the windshield, and there were frogs. <laughs> this sounds so like it, a. It, that was like no ride I've ever had anywhere. Th- this sounds like a. Uh, this sounds like a hootie column if I ever heard one. Um, it, it sounds like the plague. <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, I went on a. I spent a year of my life one time in a car on the way from Beach Week at uh, Myrtle Beach to Nags Head because a buddy of mine had a girlfriend who was there and he was so worried she was going to like meet another guy. And I did the I did the good friend thing and said, "Yeah, okay, man, I'll ride with you." Anyway, we won't tell that story. Um, so, what were some of your general takeaways from talking to Bronco Mendenhall, talking to Alameda Zacchaeus, and, and talking to Chris Peace? What were some of the things that you sort of left Charlotte today thinking about UVA and specifically some of their comments? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, you know, they believe that they are a program on the rise, um, and not that I would disagree. I mean, after the big jump last year, uh, but to hear them talk the way they talked. I asked a lot of questions about, you know, you made such a big jump in year two under Bronco Mendenhall. You go to a bowl game, you win six games, uh, you play competitively against Virginia Tech a year after getting absolutely blown out. Uh, and I said, can you make as big a jump this year? Or if you end up about the same, six wins or five wins, you know, is that a step back? And, and, and they all felt like, hey, if they don't win more games than they won last season, and if they don't win their bowl game, and if they don't beat Virginia Tech this year, that it's a step backward, and, and they don't anticipate that. They This is a program that believes uh, in what their coach is doing uh, in a big way, and they believe that it's working. I think they saw some positive rewards from, from their work a year ago, um, and the guys here in Charlotte, the players that were here, and, and Coach Mendenhall, you know, they believe that that's the trajectory and, and the trend that's going to continue this season. 
There were a couple of things that surprised me. Um, one was how um, matter-of-fact they are about the Beat Tech mantra, which we'll get into in a minute. The other was Alameda Zacchaeus being very frank about, hey, look, when, when Coach Mendenhall showed up, um, we there were there were a lot of a lot of people maybe who were half in half out and and he did a good job of kind of clearing those folks uh, from the program and, and that they're in a better spot now and and I've been writing a series uh, that we call Countdown to Camp where I basically go position by position and you can see the depth that they've they've sort of rebuilt at various positions they're still hurting a little bit on the defensive line but the offensive line will be in a much better spot in uh, August this year as it was than it was in August 2017 and certainly than what it was in August 2016. Um, as you look at this team and sort of the expectations that clearly aren't there, I mean, the media, we won't, we won't see the, the vote from Charlotte for a couple of days, but by and large, I think it's pretty safe to assume that nobody is going to have a whole lot of faith in UVA, uh, having a lot of success in the coastal from where you sit and given how close you are, what are, what are some of your thoughts on, on expectations going into the season? Yeah, I think you're right. I think when, when the poll comes out, you're going to see UVA, uh, either in last or, or ahead of North Carolina. Um, I believe that North Carolina game is in Charlottesville. That might be the deciding factor for a lot of people uh, as they split between those two teams. You know, there's some big questions. And, and the names that, that people know about UVA, when you think about Micah Kaiser and Quinn Blanding and Andrew Brown and Kurt Banker, you know, those guys are gone. And, you know, yeah, the guys you know who cover the program, I've seen uh, Bryce Perkins. I've heard how fast he is. I've seen him throw a football. And I've got some reason to be optimistic, but – um, outside of the program, I don't know that people realize that you know uh, there, there's a player there who looks to be capable. Um, I don't know if play, people realize just how good uh, I think Jordan Mack can be playing kind of that role. You know, Bronco talked today about he's a believer in building defense uh, almost baseball style up the middle. Uh, you, you always talk about your catcher and your shortstop and your center fielder. And, you know, he thinks that Jordan Mack is going to play the Mike Kaiser role. And, and he said today that, you know, Juan Thornhill is going to work at free safety in the Quinn Blanding role. And is he as good a tackler as Quinn Blanding? We're going to find out. Um, but, you know, those are pretty good players in the middle there. So I, I think you're right. I think the outside expectations are this is a team that at their best wins four or five games. But, you know, I think there's some guys that haven't necessarily completely proven themselves, uh, but that doesn't mean they're bad football players. And uh, I think there's a chance that, that UVA could surprise people again. I like the schedule. But, yeah, you're right. I think when the expectations come out, it's going to be for a slight step back in year three. Bronco is very much a, um, you know, a guy who, who, who fits his name. I mean, he's all about finding those you know, wild horses and sort of breaking them in and, and getting them in line. And it seems like to me from, from, reading, uh, from hearing and then reading what Alameda and Chris Peace had to say, the idea of work ethic, the idea of, of, um, of, of earning everything that you get, it is – I don't want to say the kids have been brainwashed, but they've certainly bought in, and they talked even about you know the level of buy-in. And 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 Chris Peace even when 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 he was asked among uh, from the video folks, you know what was what are some th- some things you've learned from Bronco? What do you think he's learned from him? And he said basically the same thing that um you know that that Bronco has instilled in him a work ethic, and he hopes that Bronco sees that. When you when you interact with these kids. Y- when you interact with Bronco, what changes have you seen in them from year to year? Like, how, what's the the sort of feel you got from talking to them today? Yeah, and I think that's kind of what it is. I think there is a bigger sense of confidence. Uh, I think there is a bigger sense that everybody on this roster um, belongs there and, and earned their spot on this roster. Um, you know, that's a big deal, especially when you're talking about being in a locker room and 
you know, a guy coming in for a series or for a play and how much confidence do you have in him? The, the idea that everybody in this program has kind of gone through some of the same things uh, and earned it. You know, Bronco brought up a really interesting point um, today about recruiting, you know, developmental players. And everybody lost their mind when he talked about uh, how many ACC caliber players were on the roster. But part of what that is is, you know, how many guys are you recruiting who right out of high school they're not ready to play, but they're developmental, they're going to be. And when you talk about work ethic and earning things, you know, Bronco's point was for UVA to grow quickly, the developmental guys he takes, um, they have to be ahead of schedule. So if he takes a guy who he thinks, hey, by his junior year, he could be a starter, if that kid can find a way to become a starter or a contributor as a sophomore, that's what accelerates rebuilding a program. And, um, and I think the other the players see that. I think they see that the guys behind them are better. I think they feel like they're getting more out of their workouts because they're being pushed. And you know, I think all of that together gives a team more confidence that you know what they're doing Monday through Friday is really the stuff that will prepare them to win on a Saturday. That was the first time Bronco has talked to media folks for real, right? Since he made his comments to the Board of Visitors, how much did he get pressed on it, and and did he seem, uh, did did he did he yell at Sam Blum? Like, what was what was his reaction to some of the? I'm sure he got some of those questions. What what, what was his general reaction to it? Yeah, well, I asked him flat out. I said, "Were you surprised by the reaction to your comments at the Board of Visitors?" And of course, the first thing he said was, "Well, I didn't really read or see the reaction." So I can't comment to how it was reported or how it was covered. But basically he said, hey, I, I stand by what I said. He went to the Board of Visitors to give them a blunt, unvarnished look at his program. And that's what he did. Now, you know, you and I have talked that I think that <clears throat> some of the some of the coverage is a little blown overblown because, you know, Bronco has said these things before. Right. He's talked before about and when he says ACC caliber players, I think that was the really important part about developmental talent i think people took that to mean <clears throat> he only has 27 kids who are ever going to be good enough to play in the acc and that's not at all what he was saying one thing too that that i think people sort of lost track with and i, and I was curious to see how how the let's say the um the good morning coach uh on the conference call people would say uh, how those kind of guys would re respond to it. But one of the things I think he was trying to do is to say, look, if we want to make UVA football bigger than, than you know, a, a major piece of his university, we have to do a certain number of things. And I thought, too, he was kind of outlining for them the things he needed to do. Um, certainly he was, he was making the case to the Board of Visitors that in order for the football team and the program to have success, there's some facilities aspects to it that have to change. But ultimately, I think, too, he was also saying, like, hey, this is on me and this is what I have to do. Um, did he get much uh, in the way of the clown questions from the from the peanut gallery? Did What was that like? You know, you know it wasn't too bad. Um, I think people understand how daunting a job it is to rebuild UVA football. I think people have been won over by some of his early results. So I think that helps him a little bit. You know, a lot of the questions in terms of that Board of Visitors meeting were, you know, how do your players feel about hearing that? And Bronco said, hey, I didn't say anything in that meeting that my players don't know. And he said bluntly, the kid who's number 27 knows he's number 27. The kid who's number 28 knows what he has to do to get and, and be the next guy who's ready. And he said that's a, a positive. That, that's something that 
you know, it's not, it's not that he feels bad that that information is out there. His players know, and his players know that for UVA to get better, more than 27 of them need to be up to the par, up to ready to play in the ACC. And so, yeah, people made a big deal about it and, and took it as if he was insulting his players, but that's not really what was happening. He was saying, these are the guys who are game ready. Maybe that's a better way for us to talk about it. When he said ACC caliber, what he means is game ready. Right now at this moment, can they go into an ACC football game uh, and have a positive impact, uh, not make errors, play for your team, like coaches like to say? Um, that's really what he meant. He's not saying I got a bunch of guys who aren't talented or a bunch of guys who are never going to. So he did get pressed with some of those questions, you know, how did your guys react to hearing that you only believe in 27 of them? And, and that's not what he was saying. And I thought he handled it well. All right. I said we were going to get back to the, to the beat tech mantra thing. And I, I do want to, I want to circle back to that because I have long said that UVA wasn't going to break the streak until they started to sort of, um, to sort of appreciate or at least to deal with the game in an emotional sort of way as opposed to, you know, business as usual and, you know, oh, they're just another opponent. It's, not, it's never been that way in Blacksburg. Um, I remember being on the field, the first uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech game I covered. It was in Charlottesville, and I just remember that Tech's coaches were – I just had never seen coaches getting kids that hype. I mean, they were as invested in that game as anything I'd ever seen. And until – I always thought that until UVA sort of – you know, really embraced that aspect of it, that th- this thing was going to be lopsided. So to see, to, to know Bronco Menhall the way I do and being such an analytical sort of data-driven dude, he's such a uh, old-school kind of coach, and yet for him to also embrace this sort of beat tech mantra and to hear Alameda talk about, you know, you got to beat tech and everything, and you want to, you know, you think about it constantly. The way that they've sort of in, ingested this thing and and in the way it's sort of how how it, how connected it is in, in everything they do really sort of surprised me how surprised were you at that and and sort of what was what was some some of the the sense that uh, what what you got from I know you wrote a story about it but but what was the sense that you got from talking to the guys about that yeah I'll tell you I've, I've been talking about this topic for about two weeks now because I had a sit down interview with Bronco and and he, he talked about it sort of in passing you know we keep telling the kids we got to beat tech. We have signage up in the facility that says beat tech. And, and you're right. That's not been the approach in the past. And I, I interrupted him at one point. And I said, Coach, I said, I, it's refreshing, but I've got to tell you, most coaches don't take that approach. Most coaches will tell you, you know, oh, it's just another game and they don't want to put too much hype on it or they don't want, uh, you know, they don't want their players getting away from the uh, one game at a time kind of mantra and all that. Um, so I, I think it was interesting to me that he embraced it that way. You mentioned how analytical he is, but really for Bronco, I, I think this is an analytical decision. I think he looked at the value of that game in terms of recruiting and so many other areas, fan support, boosters, and he understands that that's a game you have to have. And I, I think you're right. I think he felt like his guys maybe, I don't want to say playing scared because that's, that's too derogatory, but he wants his guys going into that game. He wants them to – they can't wait to play Virginia Tech. And, and I don't know that that's been the feeling around UVA for the last few years. And That's what he wanted to bring back. And, and I'll give him a lot of credit for this. The thing about this approach, and maybe it's the reason – and I'm not criticizing past guys, but maybe it's the reason other guys didn't go this route. When you say beat Tech and it is important and the future of our program depends on turning this around, if you don't win that game, 
you've put yourself out there for a lot of criticism. You know, if Broncos spends the year saying we've got to beat Virginia Tech and then it doesn't happen, people are going to clown them and people are going to mock it and people are going to point to that. And Bronco Mendenhall is confident enough and strong enough that he doesn't care. He's not worried about that. He knows that to build this program, that's a thing that has to happen. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's refreshing to see him embrace it. It's interesting to know how much thought went into it, uh, and it's exciting to see the way the players are following it. One thing, too, that I thought along those same lines is um, – <laughs> When you've lost 11 of them in a row, right? What do you have to lose, right? That, you know, you said you made the point like, oh, they're going to clown you. And I'm like, well, it get, you know, what, how much worse could it get? Um, I mean, we, we've seen obviously a whole lot of lopsided scores uh, in that streak. And, but I do, I agree with you. I think it's super refreshing. And certainly, um, you know, it, the other, look, it, the old adage is right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, if it's super broke, you probably should try to fix it. And doing something different is probably, if nothing else, uh, a good, a good, uh, you know, a good piece of momentum in the right direction. Um, speaking of the Hokies, I, I want to ask you a couple questions. We 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 referenced their sort of tumultuous offseason. Their team, obviously, that you're you're invest, you know, you you're, you cover, um, you're 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 paying attention to. Um, how, uh, in terms of the the number of off seasons that you've you've covered Virginia Tech, how weird, how off was this one, and and how um, consequential do you think it'll be for their season? Yeah, I don't think it's going to derail them as badly as, as maybe some people are thinking. Um, it's been wild. It's been like nothing I've ever seen. Um, when you think about hit after hit after hit uh, that they just keep taking, and, and that's. That's the odd thing about it has just been the, the bad luck. You know, you think about guys leaving early, but that's not an all bad thing. You know, you, you want to have players in your program who are that good, that, that have the opportunity to leave early. That's, that's not really a negative. But then you have Adonis Alexander, and, and to hear Justin Quinte explain, you know, just how close he came to getting eligible, and, and it didn't work out. And that's a big loss at corner. But it's okay because you knew that he was on the – on the line there, and they went out and recruited a junior college kid. So, okay, now you're, you're okay because you've got this junior college kid coming in. Well, he goes and tears his Achilles, and Justin Fuente told us today he did that just stretching his second day on campus. So now you've got this thing that goes wrong with Adonis. You've got this thing that goes wrong behind him with the junior college kid you brought in to take his place. And then on top of that, you go and lose Mook Reynolds to this you know drug arrest and all of that in the secondary, all of that in one offseason, all of that in an offseason where um, your co-defensive coordinator was forced to resign because of an extramarital affair, your starting quarterback was being reviewed academically. It just, there were so many things happening this offseason. It, 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 they're going to be very happy to get back to practice football in Blacksburg. Yeah, I mean, you were already having to, to replace so much from that defense. Um, I, I would also venture to say, though, that if you're going to um, and I appreciate the UVA fans who listen to this podcast who don't throw things at me right now. But if you're going to have to replace a bunch of stuff, maybe having Bud Foster be the guy to, to ar- be the architect uh, is not a bad place to be. Um, but yeah, it just seems like there's a whole lot of stuff that just doesn't typically happen. Usually tech is very good at, su- at succession. You know, usually, you know, they have a, they have a, a guy they need to replace and there's just other dude who just happens to magically fit that position and it all works well. Um, so this is the first sort of maybe, um, I don't want to call it, um, uh, a bump, so to speak, because it's more than just one, uh, maybe the first bit of turbulence that we've seen in the Fuente era in Blacksburg, 
Um, judging from the way you've covered them and, and certainly your, uh, your background with them and, and I, and you and I have talked a lot about some of the ways that they, um, are accessible or are not accessible to media, but in, in your interactions with them today, how do you think that they're handling some of this, um, tumult and, and how do you feel like they move forward, uh, and fill in some of these holes? You know, it's interesting. I, I think I had been saying all off season that, the, the Florida state game is, is the interesting kind of uh, X factor in all of this. I think because they have to get ready for a team that good uh, and a game that important, it, it's kind of helping them get through some of all of this craziness going on. I don't think they have the option to sit around and, and sulk about it because they're going to have to get some kids ready to play uh, in a big time opening game. And that, that isn't always the case that, I think it's kind of like what you and I were talking about a few minutes ago with Jordan Mack and Juan Thornhill, though. I think in their program, there's some confidence in the kids that are going to come in and play those spots, uh, even though maybe it's never happened in a game and guys like you and me haven't seen it because practice is so inaccessible. They feel good about some of the young guys that are going to take those spots. But, you know, I mean, to me, it's, it's a big question mark because young players – I've never been around good programs where their young players couldn't play, but usually young players, they make some mistakes, one or two or three a game. And in college football, in a big game like Virginia Tech, Florida State's going to be, two, three mistakes in the secondary is the difference in the ball game. And that's the challenge for this coaching staff. And I think the players have been too focused on the work they have to do to really get caught up and worry about it. But I'm sure it's keeping the coaches up at night. Well, I would imagine uh, that that's that's going to be the case for a while, especially until they get some some real results. When does Tech open uh, fall camp? Uh, they open August sixth. The players report on the fifth. Cool. So you'll be figuring out a way to be both in Blacksburg uh, and Charlottesville somehow, as you often do. Mike, uh, where where can folks find your work, man? Uh, you can read me at Richmond dot com, and like we said, you can find me on Twitter at rtd underscore Mike Barber. I really appreciate Mike coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate you giving me a few minutes. Uh, what is, I guess, technically now, again, your vacation. Um, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and, and I would like to have you back uh, down the road, hopefully when you're not trying to fight black bears and all that kind of stuff. But I also want to say you know, thank you to everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you're somebody who came to the website through the show, feel free to give us a review. It always helps. And if you're somebody who has um, found the show but hasn't gotten to the site yet, give us a look at Cavs Corner. Uh, basketball recruiting is, is picking up. Obviously, football season going to be here right around the corner, so give us a look at the website. But again, uh, thanks, Mike, for your time. Really appreciate it, and thanks to everybody out there for continuing to support the show. So uh, for Mike Barber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.